Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post. We're going to have a special podcast for you today. Uh, we're going to have on my good friend, Brian Winhurst from ESPN, uh, actually the first guest I ever had on the podcast uh, a little under a year ago. Um, and we're going we're gonna to preview the season in a, in a pretty fun and interesting way. I think you'll enjoy it, especially anybody who knows Brian's work and uh, some of his, uh, his foibles. They're going to enjoy how we, how we kind of run through the, the offseason and, and look ahead to the year. And then towards the end of the podcast, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, make an announcement about how I'm going to be covering the NBA this season and um, you know how I'm going to be doing the job. And I hope that you stick around for that. I think it'll be worth your time. And I want to try to give everybody a bit of a, an insight into, into what my year is going to be like and, and what I'm going to be doing. And me and Brian are going to talk about it. So um, with that, you know, we're now three weeks you know, before training camp, day after Labor Day. Uh, things are getting started, and uh, and uh, I've got Brian here. So, so Brian, what's going on? I always love the day after Labor Day because um, everybody kind of goes back to work. Um, everybody declares the summer over, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not over for us. We actually have like three more weeks of summer. <laughs> um, and so, you know, all the kids are back in school and everybody's back at work. And it's a little bit of revenge because – in like June and July when everybody's going on vacation and like we're in the airports like traveling to and from the finals and there's all these people going on vacation, you know, you feel a little bit sad and, and like July 4th, I'm a lot of times I'm traveling around July 4th and like literally it's the height of vacation season and we're in the middle of free agency and there's, it's like the, our busiest time of the year. And so it, it stinks. And so this is my retribution time where, uh, everybody declares the summer over and it's not for us. Yeah, my parents are actually on vacation this week. Um, but I'm, I'm actually back to work, I think, uh, I, but at least a little bit training camp starts three weeks from today. Um, which is still kind of hard to believe or actually three weeks from yesterday. I should say, I keep thinking it's Monday, even though it's, even though Labor Day was yesterday since it's a holiday. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, it we do have a little bit of time left, uh, to get some vacation in. But uh, but yeah, the the season is the season is fast approaching. Remarkably, uh, you know, you mentioned how July goes, and it, it seems like every year, you know, I'm sure it's been this way since since you started covering the league. It feels like the summer gets shorter now every year to the point where we basically get you know probably three weeks in August, and then these couple weeks to start September, and then you're right back into it again. The NBA is now a ten uh, month league. Um, it's uh, I don't I don't know. I think the NFL is probably maybe a ten and a half month league. I think the the month of June is quiet in the NFL and the first part of July. Um, but the the NBA and I've seen this in my this is my fourteenth year full time covering the league. Um, that's what I have seen for sure is that um, free agency and summer league and other moves in the summer now dominate July. The finals have been elongated so that there isn't even really a period in between the finals and the draft anymore, unless the finals go really short. Um, this year they didn't. This yeah, year, this they, year they, there was three days. <laughs> right. Um, so, um, you know, you really don't quiet down until August. And even in, like, even in August, like the, uh, the Dwight Howard trade a few years ago, when he was traded from the Magic to the um, to the Lakers, that happened in August. Yeah. The, that was sort of the announcement of the end of – uh, August is being totally quiet time, but um, I will say this: you're right for the players, not necessarily for us, but for the players, um, they uh, generally are back to work now. A lot of them um, are working out at their 
team facilities, the players who have families, um, they will have they would have gotten to the to wherever they're you know where they're going to live and their families will be in school and so a lot of cases the players are are in working out with their teammates at their training camp also what's happening uh these days a lot of teams have um these off-site training camps um teams are going to LA they're going to Miami they're going to where else do they go um they teams get together and have these organized workouts now in September, late late August. So, um, yeah, the league is, um, and this is, I think is a good thing. And I know the fans who are dying for basketball, um, they they love these little things at this time of year. But it's it's getting closer to a twelve month league. But I think we're at ten. Yeah, no, that's that's probably about right. And uh, and while while we wait for the start of this for the training camp to get going, uh, we're gonna play a little game today on the podcast uh, for anybody that listens to Brian anywhere, whether it's on the True Who podcast on ESPN or on television or anywhere else, uh, Brian loathes making predictions. Do you want to explain to everyone why you don't like making predictions, Brian? Uh, several reasons. Number one, because everybody makes them. <laughs> Literally everybody makes them. Number two, everybody forgets them after you make them. Right. Um, and, then you, and then people only bring them back when they're, when they're right. Um, and so that's the other thing. And then the third thing, and probably the most important thing is I've just been around long enough to know that I don't know. So many variable things happen that, um, especially when you're talking about a season long commentary, like the, the concept of predicting wins. I mean, we, we talk about it and I give ranges and everything, but you know, you just have to understand that there's certain things that you just don't know. And so I've embraced that. And more than just the fact that everybody and their brother makes a prediction, I, I also feel like I'm I'm trying to be a little bit enlightened and realize that um, I'm not smart enough to know what I don't know. All right. But since you're on my podcast, I'm going to make you make a whole bunch of predictions and it's going to be fun. Uh, so what I've done is come up with basically like 10 or 15 questions that I think are interesting about the season. And oh boy. I'm going to have you give me a yes or no answer and why to, uh, to all of them. And it'll, I think it'll get us through most of the interesting stuff that happened this summer. And we can kind of look ahead to some of the interesting teams for the season. So um, we'll have a little fun with it and you can, you can make a couple predictions for once. So let's start with one with a team you play plenty of attention to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, will J.R. Smith sign either before training camp or before the start of the regular season, and what will give? So, give me your answer, and then why. I feel like uh, he will sign before the start of the regular season. I'm not so sure about training camp. Um, his agents don't have a problem holding people out. They yeah, held can out you, Tristan. Can you Town. kind of explain the the situation he's in? Because I, I don't know if I think many people probably just assume that Jr. is resigned with the Cavs by now. I'll just be really brief about it. I mean, the Cavs want him back. He wants to go back to the Cavs. There's nobody bidding on him, and so therefore the Cavs feel like they don't have to increase whatever offer they've made. And Jr. has sat and watched um, a whole bunch of guys who he thinks he's equal to or better than get paid huge money this year. So there could, and I don't know what the holdups are. I don't know if the holdup is amount of years. I don't know if the holdup is total compensation. Um, the Cavs gave Jr. Uh, he took a pay cut with them last year. But he was in the same situation. He sat around all summer as a free agent, couldn't get a, a contract, and, and then signed in mid-September. Uh, right about now. In fact, it was right after Labor Day a year ago. I think September 7th or so is when he signed a year ago. So he's been here before. Um, 
his agents, uh, they held out Tristan Thompson throughout all of training camp last year. He signed um, right before the end of training camp and made the game his first game in the regular season, and they ended up getting him an $80 million contract. Uh, a few years ago, his agents represented Eric Bledsoe with the Suns, and I want to say he signed – He signed in about, either late August or early September, I think. Oh, no, it was like September. I want to say it was September 25th. Oh, yeah, you're right. It was right before camp. Yeah, so they they dragged that out all summer. But I don't even have to to talk to this. I mean, Mark Termini, the guy who represents, you know, Rich Paul is his agent, but Mark Termini. I was going to say, JR is a Rich Paul client, for those who don't know. Mark Termini is um, the guy who, in a lot of cases, handles the contract negotiations. Uh, Rich is a guy who basically keeps, uh, you know, doesn't just, he recruits the players, but he also you know, keeps the players on an even keel, which is maybe even the tougher job. Um, when Mark Termini was a young agent, he had Jim Jackson. And Jim Jackson, I believe his rookie season held out until February or March. Yeah, I think um, it was March. And it was one of the contracts, his contract and uh, Glenn Big Dog Robinson. Those were sort of the tipping points that helped not helped, but, you know, led the NBA to institute the rookie salary scale so there wouldn't be negotiations for months. And so Termini has no problem suggesting his clients hold out, and he and Jim Jackson ended up getting a great contract, and he ended up getting every dime, even though he'd missed all those games. Uh, again, uh, uh, Tristan Thompson ended up getting $82 million. Eric Bledsoe, I believe, got, was it 70 or 80? He, he got a huge contract. He got five contract. for 70. Five for 70. They've won doing this, so uh, I don't expect them to just take whatever offer is sitting there because training camp is the next day. So, so we'll see. So, you, so your prediction is no for camp and yes for the season. My prediction is yes for the season. I don't know when it's going to happen. It could happen. It could happen today, but you well, know that's the point of the game is you have to you have to say. So will he I'm be not, on? Will he be on? Will he be in a uniform on media day? The training. I don't camp? think. I don't think anybody knows. Well, that's not the point of the game, Brian. You just have to say well, yes or no. I, <laughs> You're on my podcast, so you. Have I'm gonna. To I'm gonna. I'm yes gonna guess no. no, but okay. I don't. I don't know. That's fine. You don't have to know. That's not the point. <laughs> uh, this is something we talked about on the uh, on the True Who podcast the other day, which I thought was really interesting. Who rank in order the teams in the Northwest Division of order of finish? Because I think you can basically just throw them in a hat and come up with. Uh, pretty much any combination you want. Yeah, well, I mean, I think uh, probably... And, and, and I should say, for people who don't know, since people don't know the divisions very well, uh, the Northwest Division is the Jazz, the Thunder, the Wolves, the Blazers, and the Nuggets. Yeah, so I feel like Oklahoma City probably has the most experience slash talent. Um, and then I'll probably say Portland and... and um, Portland, Utah, and Minnesota could all end up with about the same. So, like, I mean, if, 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 I'll just say because of their order of finish last year, I'll just say, like, Portland would be second. I think Minnesota could be third. I don't, I'm not as impressed with the Jazz as everybody else. Um, so I'll say the Jazz fourth, although I still think they can be a playoff team. Now, the metrics uh, and the analytics, a lot of people think the Jazz will win that division. So um, maybe they will. I have yet to see them. I don't think they've even had a winning record. Um, and I'm really They're high on the Timber. I'm really high on the Timberwolves. So I'll say the Timberwolves third and the Jazz fourth and the Nuggets fifth. 
Although, again, some of the analytics that people have run show that the Nuggets could be a playoff team. So um, there's, a, there's a feeling that all five of these teams have a chance to make the playoffs. That will not happen, I assure you. Um, I think they'd do well to, for three of them to make it. Um, but it will be a competitive division. I think four of them will make it. I, I, don't, I think Denver's going to be a little too young to make the playoffs, but I think all four of those other teams will make it. Um, and I, I, I tend to think that order of finish is probably right. I would probably flip um, at least the Wolves and Blazers. I think the Wolves will finish first or second. Um, but, but, I, but, I mean, that, like you said, I, I could easily see those teams all being in a 51 to 45 range in some order. And then it's just kind of how, however they, and it might even be smaller than that. It could be, it could be like the middle of the East last year where I think, you know, four teams had 48 wins. I, I could see a scenario where, you know, all four of those teams have a chance to win that division with two weeks to go in the regular season, um, which would make for a, which would make for a pretty interesting finish. Depending on how you feel about the Clippers and depending on how you feel about the Spurs, there's a possibility that we could see a lot more parity in the West this year. Last year, we sort of had four teams, and then there was like a, a moat, and then the rest of the conference. Um, the Thunder are going to take a step back. Um, some people believe the Spurs will take a step back now that they've lost Duncan. And there are even people that believe that they will uh, have a, de- a significant decline, not only just because Duncan lost, but because you know they lost Diaw and some of their key players have have aged a little bit. I, I don't know if I'm in that camp. I, I thought the Spurs, you know, they had the highest wins they've ever had as a franchise last year. They know what they're doing, and their two best players are still very much in their prime in Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge. So I don't, I'm not in that camp, but there are people who believe that, um, that the Spurs will have a, a decline. And so, you know, the Clippers are bringing back essentially the same team. So even if they run in place a little bit, they were the four seed last year. So, you know, it wasn't as, you know, they had injuries, of course, but, you know, so they may, may, may move up, but I don't think they're going to win, you know, 67 games. So there's going to be some more wins to be had, which these teams in the Northwest could soak up a little bit. And so you could see more, although, you know, you know, we have the best team is clear and clear, but we have maybe some more parity in the West. Yeah, no, I, that's uh, that's a very good point. It actually comes to another question I had. Who is going to finish with a better record, the Spurs or the Clippers? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I mean, I, I have decided to take the position that uh, I, I, I thought the Spurs were done like three years ago. And then I they the wanted... Spurs were done when they lost to the Grizzlies in the first round, like six years ago. Right, like <laughs> when the Spurs lost the, in the finals to the to the Heat – I thought, well, that's so devastating. They'll never be able to pick themselves up from it. And then they won the NBA title. <laughs> right. And, so, and obliterated the Heat the next year. So the position that I'm going to kind of – and I was kind of a little bit bearish on the Spurs last year because I thought they'd have some trouble with Aldridge. I thought, And they did have some issues adjusting to a new style of play, but they still won an, a franchise record wins even though they, they didn't play their best basketball out of the gate. So I am pretty much in, put myself in a position – where I feel like I am, I would rather be late on the Spurs than to kick dirt on them again. So I will take the opposite position and say that the Spurs will be strong and remain the number two uh, best team in the West, although I guess that's not that controversial position. They've made the playoffs 20 straight years, 50 wins like every year except for the lockout year. 
So, I, I mean, I'll just stand on that history and say that they're going to be uh, the second-best team. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think they're going to be good. And I, I think people are kind of conflating two things with the Spurs. They, they're, they're, probably, they're probably not they're not going to be as good of a team overall next year because Tim Duncan was still a terrific defensive player. And that, uh, that aspect of his game being lost is going to hurt them. But the thing, the thing that they did by keeping Pau, by getting Pau Gasol and, and you know and, and keeping a lot of the guys that they have, they're still going to be a great regular season team. And I and I think that uh, I think that people um, forgetting that and saying oh that they're they're going to really struggle in the playoff or they're going to struggle to win as many games. I, I think that they're going to struggle when they get to the playoffs um, because of those defensive issues. But I, I think in the regular season they're going to be just fine. I agree. All right. Well, how about that? Uh, it, would been, it would have been more fun if we disagreed, yeah, but we'll have, we'll have to wait. All right. Of these three guys, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and Doc Rivers, how many of them will still be on the Clippers one year from now? Boy, is that a fantastic question, and it absolutely falls into my never answer <laughs> because it's because so many variables. For you, Brian. I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. I don't think all three – my guess would be all three of them would not be. Um, I'll tell you one thing that I'll say with certainty – like I saw that there's been some reports recently that um, Blake has decided he's resigning in L.A. And I've even been talking to people and they're like, well, Blake's off the board. I'm like, what are you out of your mind? Um, when it comes to free agency and we've seen this over and over and over, um, you never have any idea what a free agent is going to do until he um, gets to July 1st. And in this case, it might not even be July 1st because we may have a lockout next summer. And while I feel like there's, there's good momentum and they may even have a, a deal in place by December, which I would bet against, but it's, there is certainly optimism that that could happen. Um, uh, without even knowing the rules, there's no way that I would assume anything, no matter what anybody says. I don't care if Blake comes out and says on media day, I intend to resign with the Clippers. Well, Marcus Aldridge said a year before free agency that he was going to not resign with the Spurs or the the Blazers, and we all know right. what happened there. Of course, there's dozens of examples of this. So, um, uh, really, making a forecast right now is kind of it doesn't even matter. Um, it, we'll see what happens. You know, the, the Clippers last year, the Clippers kind of made no secret that if they didn't have a breakthrough, that they were going to change the team. And they didn't have a breakthrough, and then they didn't. They literally didn't change the team like at all. Like they added Maurice Spates. They who did, else? They, they, they did the exact same thing. They got a bunch of veteran minimum guys on good, good veteran minimum signings, and uh, rolled back the same core. And I guess what their thought process is, you know, Chris Paul and Blake got hurt. We didn't get to see it, so it's reasonable. Um, but I'm just the, the Clippers are going to be a fascinating team, and and just you know, I don't care if they start out twelve and zero. I won't change my mind. I don't care if they start out 35 and one, I won't change my mind to we'll see what happens at the end of the season. Well, your favorite phrase is we'll see. So that doesn't surprise me. So, all right. So you've, you've kind of answered that by saying you don't think all of them will be back. Is it, uh, if you had to pick one guy to not be back, it, I'm guessing it would be Blake. Cause that would be my answer. Well, a lot, I mean, the way that the, that the Blake Chris Paul um, pairing has gone has been, a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing. They, they've they had incredible moments, but they've really not shown that they are a championship-level team. They've basically been the Hawks' West. Yeah, but over even a longer period. Right. 
Um, and so until that changes, it's and then, and then the other you have the real the reality that they played fantastic basketball last year when Blake was out, um, which it doesn't necessarily mean that the, that doesn't mean they're a better team without him, but it does mean that there could be a reality where they could be very successful if he's not there. The other thing is the clock is ticking on Chris Paul's career. He's getting to the point where, you know, point guards of his size are, would be getting towards the end of their prime. Um, so, you know, he those guys tend to fall off cliffs too. small point guards tend to get bad in a hurry. You look at Tony Parker, he went from within about a year and a half from being finals MVP to being a, you know, marginal, maybe not marginal starter, but certainly not even more than an average starter in the league. Well, he still has his moments, but for the most part, you're right. He's not, he's not difference making as much as he is. So, you know, Chris Paul feels a little bit of pressure and that could potentially have him looking around. And, you know, if you're the Clippers and you have to make a five-year investment in Chris Paul or Blake Griffin, that's a, you know, if that's an interesting choice because, you know, one guy is in the middle of his prime and the other guy is at the tail end, even though that guy is the overwhelming uh, vocal and emotional leader of your franchise. So uh, it's going to be a fascinating season. A lot of chips are on the table for the Clippers this year, although I thought that was going to be the case last year. Um, And it should be, you know, I I think all the compelling stories are in the West, obviously in Golden State, number one. And then the second most compelling story in the league this year could be watching the Clippers during the season. Could be. Two teams to watch for Chris Paul before we go on to the next thing, the Knicks and the Bulls. If they keep uh, Dwayne Wade and Carmelo Anthony, his buddies, uh, and both will need a point guard next summer, and both will have money. Um, will DeMarcus Cousins finish the season with the Sacramento Kings? Yeah, um, I think so. Um, I mean, I, things do tend to happen fast in the NBA, but out of all the DeMarcus Cousins trade rumors, out of everything that's ever happened, um, I don't think the Kings have ever been seriously close to tr- trading him. The only time I think they ever even really thought about it was when the Lakers were somewhat interested in trading um, Julius Randle. Well, I, I put it this way. I don't, I'm not saying the Lakers offered this, but the, the, they could have asked for Julius Randle and the draft pick that was D'Angelo Russell um, or the draft pick that was D'Angelo Russell and – maybe Jordan Clarkson, where basically the number two pick plus one of the Lakers' really good young players and maybe even the pick that became Larry Nance uh, Jr. was in there. Like that was a time where they had, to, they had to probably seriously consider it. I don't think they'd even been close. So considering his value to the owner and considering that they have a new arena and they're trying to move forward here um, and they want him to be, still be their centerpiece – I still don't feel any rumblings in the ground that they're even thinking about it. But the nature of the NBA is that things change quickly. Yeah. Well, I think I think yes is a, is a solid answer there. I, I, two things from my perspective. That arena finally opens this fall. So you have the pressure of having the new arena kind of in the past. I mean, you still have a new arena, but you're not opening it the following season if you trade him then. And if they go off a cliff again this season or they struggle and they're going into the trade deadline and it doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs again, and they're going to be non-competitive once again this season, I definitely could see a scenario where he gets put on the auction block and just becomes a, you know, a huge market item because there are, there are a couple teams. You mentioned Denver before, and obviously the Celtics have been lusting after a star for a while that have a ton of young assets and would probably love to go get a guy like him and put him in the middle of everything. 
I will say also that we'll see how he plays when they get chan- get you a chance to play against the Warriors. I mean, they still have Zaza Pachulia, but in theory, keyword being in theory, the Warriors could have trouble with uh, big centers. Um, the way they want to play, it just it could be an issue for them. So if Demarcus Cousins is um, you know, if he wreaks havoc on the Warriors, like, you know, if there's a situation where he has a, you know, we've seen this before. If he has a 36-point, a 18-rebound game, you know, and the Warriors, you know, win 121, you know, 107, he has a couple of those type of performances. Some team that's out there dreaming of going after the Warriors may think, all right, this guy's not perfect, but he's under contract, and he could be our weapon where we have a chance to make a difference Um going up against the Warriors, would this be something that they'd be willing to pay a premium for? And that's something that is a intriguing possibility um, that's worth keeping an eye on um, as the season goes on. I, just how the how the Warriors play against the really big centers would be interesting. I mean, Timo Mozgov, you remember a couple of years ago in the finals, had a 28.15 rebound game against the, um, against the Warriors. Um, and Mozgov hasn't um you know he hasn't been, been himself but he, i think they play the uh they play him right out of the gate and they play him several times in the first couple of weeks of the season so you know it might be interesting to see what happens when these big guys play up against golden state yeah no totally totally agree and speaking of golden state let's let's hit these these couple warriors questions i have uh what player will lead golden state in scoring this season boy it's a, it's fascinating i mean Kevin Durant is one. I find it hard to believe that Kevin Durant has not led every team he's been on in scoring since he was like 12 years old. I mean, the man is, if you, you know, he's one of the, he has a chance to be the all time leading scorer in the NBA. And if he doesn't get there, it might just be because of longevity because Kareem's numbers are so high because he played so many games. He may be, the most gifted scorer the NBA's ever seen because he's seven foot tall and has a lethal shot. Um, because of because his scoring has such ease, and because you know Curry's got more efficiency, right? So he he may need fewer shots, but also Durant is so good at getting to the foul line. I, I just I find it hard to believe it's not going to be Durant. But I mean, God, that's a fascinating thing to watch. That's a fascinating parlor game. To watch as the uh, as the Warriors are, re- are rolling off like twelve game win streaks during the season, it might be interesting to keep an eye on whether there's some point chasing or something near the end of these games. So, so your your choice is Durant. My choice is Durant, but you know, <laughs> it's insult to the two time MVP and sure. You know, I mean, Durant leads Team USA in scoring. Oh yeah, know? yeah. I, I know. So I, it's. I mean, I agree with you. He's probably he's probably. I don't know if he's he may has never have let not let a team in scoring even when he was five. I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. Uh, wouldn't surprise me one bit. Uh, and along those lines, uh, will Golden State win uh, win more or less than sixty five games? I got to think more. I mean, I, I get if if there's a there's a freak accident where Steph Curry and and uh, Durant bump each other's knees or you know punch each other out at the same time, and all of a sudden they both miss twenty games. You know, there's scenarios, of course. Sure, that these exist, are, this but, is obviously assuming health. I, I don't see how they don't, because even if they don't play well, they're going to be so potent offensively <clears throat> that they're going to just score. 
Uh, I, I just the, the thing I've been saying is, even if they play a bad first forty-five minutes, they're going to be. Even if you have bad possessions, if you end up with Durant and and uh, Curry just playing ISO ball, they're going to have a chance to win. I mean, look at the look at the way the Thunder played. You had ISO ball there, and those dudes were always winning high high uh, high win totals, and they didn't have Draymond Green and Clay Thompson there. So. Plus, they're just an absolutely dominant home court team. It is such a huge home court advantage to play there that I, I you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to total up what it's going to take for them to lose a game. It's going to take a lot of things to happen for them to lose a game. And you know, let's say they kick away a game or two, they're still going to win probably 36, 37 games at home minimum. You know, I mean, geez. So you start adding that up, and you start saying, "Well, how do they not win 65? So, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take over. I, I see. I'm of two minds. You know, my, I've made it very clear that I, I don't think comparing these guys to the Heat is a is is the right thing to do, given the the very different circumstances these two teams are getting put together. But that being said, while I do think they're going to steamroll people, I also could see them just completely shutting it down at stretches of the season and. So that makes me wonder if maybe they fin- finish with say sixty-two wins. But but define shutting it down. You're, I mean, like, so you're saying that like they wouldn't play three of their best players? Maybe they don't play two of them. Even still, they might. Yeah, they might. They they can still do it anyway. I I have I have no doubt. I mean, they. I'm with you. They they they. I think they're going to steamroll everyone. Um, to me, it's just if they if they if they're healthy, they only don't win sixty-five games. If they do really err to the side of resting people and after last season i wouldn't be surprised if they do that but yeah i think i think picking more is the is the safe is the safe choice there i i certainly think you know i, I think they're going to be dominant and uh you know that's that's not a that's not a bad way to go and uh, speaking of dominance uh the cavaliers i think are pretty much just as big of a favorite in the east as the warriors are in the west but speaking of a team that could take it easy in the regular season uh it, do you think the Cavaliers will finish the Eastern Conference regular season with the best record? Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, again, I think that they're so talented, and I suspect that they will uh, have a peaceful start to the season. Um, you know, the last two years they haven't. You know, two years ago they everything was so new and they struggled. And they uh, and LeBron wasn't right, and they were 19 and 20. And then last year, uh, uh, Love missed all of training camp. Um, Shumpert was out for the first. I don't think Shumpert was ever right for the whole year, but Shumpert missed. He came back at Christmas, and Love or and Irving came back at Christmas. So they had a decent record, but it wasn't like you know the the the, the Warriors are sitting there, you know, 27 and one, and the Cavs are sitting there, you know, 18 and eight or something, um, because that. As far as I know, they should be healthy. Um, I would assume that they would rack up some pretty good wins. Um, the one thing about them is their depth has been hurt a little bit. They lost Mozgov and they lost Delavadova, and they replaced Mozgov with Chris Anderson, which, you know, it's not quite the same. Right. And uh, they don't even really have a, another backup point guard right now. Right now, their backup point guard is. Mo Williams, who may or may not retire, and Kay Felder, who's a, a five foot eight rookie. People um, are going to like Kay Felder. They're going to like Kay Felder, but you're not going to be able to pencil him in and say, "Oh, well, he's going to be." You know, what if you know if Kyrie Irving sprains his ankle and misses you know nine games? Oh, you're sure, not... sure. So, I mean, they have some weaknesses, but I just I think that their relative calmness coming back, um, and the fact that they're going to have um, 
some continuity now. I mean, now these guys, for the most part, the core of this team is together three years. I think they're going to fall into a, 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 you know, they're going to play pretty well and win a bunch of games. So I, I would say probably, but I mean, the one thing that I know about the East is like the Celtics, they seem to win more games well, than they should. Don't skip ahead. Don't skip all right, ahead. All right. So, so, so you the, think the, they the, will or won't finish with the best record? You the, think Cavs they will? Are the, the Cavs are the best team in the East. I think they'll finish with the best record. I think they won't because I think they're going to just totally ease off the gas even more than the Warriors will because I think they've gotten to the point that the Heat did in like 2013 and 2014 when – they didn't. They knew that they were going to stomp everybody, no matter where they played them in the East. And so they just were using the regular season to get ready for the playoffs. And I think now that the, I think now Cleveland is in that same position, and they are just going to use the regular season ready for the playoffs. And they're going to give guys like Kyrie and LeBron as much rest as they can. And I I think they wind up taking their foot off the gas enough that they win, you know, instead of 57, like last year, maybe they win 52 or 53. And then that allows for another team to win the East. So I will say this, the last three years, starting with his last year in Miami, LeBron really took it easy the first couple of months of the season. It's, it's one of the reasons why I question whether he'll ever be able to win another MVP award because his numbers sort of have been flatlined. Like you go back and look Early in LeBron's career, he won like player of the month in November, like five out of seven years. The last few years, he hasn't even started winning like players of the week until like December and January. And I know that that's not the most indicative award, you know, that it's political and all this stuff, but it's, it's one way to look at it. Then you go back and look and LeBron's been rolling off February player of the month awards, not as much as November. So I will say that I agree with you that he's, you know, he, and he was hurt, um, Two years ago, he had a, his back was bothering him, um, but you know he, he has taken a, a long term approach into these seasons. Yeah, no, totally, uh, totally agree, totally agree. Um, and now, along those lines, who will finish with a better record between the two teams that I think most people would assume have the best chance to surpass them in, in this scenario: the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, I think I kind of get the impression that the Raptors are going for it. Um, they they hated losing uh, Biombo, um, and I still think they're itching to make a trade. I, I think out of all the team, out of all the contenders, they definitely want a power forward. Yeah, um, they had had some talks with the rap with the Raptors with the Hawks about Paul Millsap. When if uh, if the Hawks have been able to retain Al Horford uh, after signing Dwight Howard, there was a chance Paul Millsap could have gone to Toronto, and that would have gotten interesting. And in they the also East. went they also went hard after Serge Ibaka too before he went to the Magic. Right. So, I, I, and I, you know, they have some trade assets. They have, you know, first round picks they're willing to move. They have, you know, Terrence Ross, you know, who's an intriguing player. Um, I think the Raptors go hard this year. Also, they're getting toward the end of Kyle Lowry's prime, uh, similar to Chris Paul. Kyle Lowry is not going to be the same player for the next four years. So, uh, you know, DeRozan is in, the, is in his primes coming off the best year of his career. Um, Valanciunas showed flashes last year of him really coming into his own and I'm expecting him to have a big year this year. So I think the Raptors are the second best team in the East. Um, the Celtics seem to get more out of their talent than, um, than other teams. But if you look empirically at the Raptors and the Celtics, the Raptors are a more talented team. So barring injuries, I think they're, they're the second second in wins. I agree with you too. One thing about Toronto that I, I thought of over the last couple of weeks that I find interesting is 
You know, you mentioned Kyle Lowry. Now he has a player option on his contract. He's making twelve million dollars. He will, you know, unless some catastrophic injury happens, he will be a free agent next summer. And you know, while I do expect him to probably stay in Toronto, um, assuming the rules don't drastically change under the CBA, um, one one situation I could find very intriguing for him is a potential return home to Philadelphia, um, where you look at that, you look at that that sixer team they've got all these young players and what do they really need they really need a point guard and you know they're going to have a ton of money to spend and you know if toronto ends up with the best record in the east and gets back to the conference finals i doubt kyle lowry goes anywhere but um you know if if they do maybe you know maybe if they fall a little short of that maybe they lose in the second round to somebody or get upset early you know i i do think that that philadelphia would be an intriguing possibility for him next summer and that to your point about the Raptors, I, I think that only, you know, kind of increases their sense of urgency to try to make sure that they've got as strong of a team now to try to make a real run because, you know, you never know. A year from now, he could end up going somewhere else, and then all of a sudden they've got to take a big step back. He would be able to attend more Villanova games yes, there, he, too. Yes, he will. Um, all right, so I want to run through – actually, nope, I've, I missed one. Uh, before we get into a, a few more of these team comparisons, I think we'll hit some of the other teams from, that have been interesting this summer. Um one kind of tricky question that I don't really even really like asking uh, just because I have a great affection for the player involved. Will Chris Bosch play another game for the Miami Heat? I think he will. I think he will. Um, now, for I've, people who just, just to remind people, uh, Chris Bosch has been out since the all-star break of last season uh, with a recurrence of blood clotting in his, even though the Heat have never officially said that is, uh, that is what has kept him out. And he has yet to play in a game, and you know it, it still is kind of unclear as to when he will return. Though he has been working out and posting it on social media recently to show that he is uh, ready to play. So Nate Duncan, of who is a lawyer and is a um, podcaster uh, out of the Bay Area, when he heard us talking about Bosch on True Hoop, he sent me a message which I will read, which I was unaware of. He educated me. <laughs> Um, Shout out section, to the Dunked On Basketball Podcast, an excellent pod. Section 7, paragraph 4 of the CBA says this. If a player played 10 or more games in a season, the team can apply on the one-year anniversary of the last player's game for a disabled player exception. If the player played fewer than 10 games in a season, then he can apply. they can apply 60 days after his last game or the one-year anniversary of his last game the previous season, whichever is later. So you probably all glazed over and stopped listening to that, and I don't blame you. But what I'm going to explain is this. It was my understanding that if Chris Bosh played a single game, uh, that it would reset his clock. Um, Well, but it will, though. That's a different different thing. Not to to make for a bad podcast, but the disabled player exception is – a salary cap exception. That's not. No, 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 no. To say I, I misread that. It, for for a player being declared medically disabled. Um, oh, so, okay. So, so he, he, okay. he he actually could play nine games for the Heat. Okay. Um, I think if he's going to play, he's going to play more than nine games. Right. I, don't, I don't think it's. Um, and I I I, I just I don't know what's going to happen. But I think Chris Bosh is going to play in the NBA again. I just I, – I, I don't know whether it's going to be with the Heat or with somebody else. The guy is too talented, and he, he – I mean, he I, is, think, I think we'll probably know 
if he's going to play another game with the Heat the first day of training camp, right? Because he's either going to – I mean, because there could be some incident between then and the start of the season. But if he's there at the start of camp and participating, you would think he's going to be back. And if he's not, it's hard to see in a scenario where he – to me at least, where if he's not there at the start of camp, that he comes back at some later point and and starts playing then, right? I can only imagine the depths of research and the depths of conversation that have happened with the Heat, with Chris Bosh, and with doctors over the last six months. Right. I am sure this has been completely, deeply, and on all angles vetted. We just don't know the answer because we are not medical professionals, and so we don't know his and we don't know his medical history because we have all these unknowns. Um, it's so difficult to to forecast it. What I'll say is this: Chris Bosh is obviously he's been the one that's seen all the doctors. He's been the one that has had to evaluate the threat to his life about still playing, and he is the one who says, "I intend to keep playing, and I can still keep playing because he has that drive." and there's at least some medical professionals out there that have told him he can, then I believe he will. Oh, I think he's going to do everything he can to play. I, I don't think that's a question. I just don't know if he's going to play for the Heat. And that, that's why I said about the first day of training camp, because if he isn't part of the Heat at the start of camp, it's hard for me to see how he comes back in later, right? Like me, I mean, because like you said, they've had, we're coming up on seven months since, this, since he initially started sitting out. So at some point, you have to either have him be part of your team or you have to move forward, whether that's trading him or saying you're not going to clear him or whatever. But if, if you get to the start of training camp and he's not part of the team and not available and not around, then it, it's just going to be a cloud hanging over that team until some kind of public resolution of their situation is is put forward and it's just hard for me to see it, it, it doesn't even have to be public i mean it, it'll become public because well but that's public. what i mean i don't mean like they announce it just like that there's some right. resolution of it that we all find out that right you then know what it is they have to make a decision one way or another right and um and the first day of training camp is a reasonable day to think that would happen although there's no law that says that that has to happen. No, because it just seems to me if you're because if he's if you just if you can't have him on the court if you don't feel comfortable with him on the court the first day of camp, I don't know when you'd feel comfortable having him on the court again. I guess that's how I look at it. Um, but it's a fair point. But as two people who have spent you've spent far more time with Chris than me, but I've I've spent enough with him. Uh, I just hope he is able to come back and and play and and be healthy because he is one of my favorite people in the league. Just he's really fascinating, interesting guy and a. I think one of the truly underrated players of this whole generation, given you know, all the stuff uh, that he did with the Heat. I've been a little bit frustrated because uh, Chris Bosh is going to be a Hall of Famer. Oh, unquestionably. And Chris Bosh has been a lock Hall of Famer for three years. or four years. Yes. And um, you know, if you told a lot of people that, they would not. They would. They would look at you like you had four heads. His, which is his insane. game. His game is very disrespected. You know. Oh, I think he's the most <laughs> underrated player of this generation. I really. do. I mean, he is. Um, he has made, I believe, nine all nine or ten All Star teams. Maybe more. Maybe he's made. Tw- maybe I think he's, he's made. I'm going to check right now. I think he's made twelve. I think. Uh, do you think you're right? I think he's made twelve All Star teams. Ten or he's at least made, he's, he's made double digit for sure. Okay, so right then and there, I mean, go take a look at the guys in the Hall of Fame. That, that's you know, there's a whole lot of guys in the Hall of Fame who didn't make. Pretty sure the cutoff for that is six or seven. 
Yeah, I mean, that's... And then, secondly, he's got two rings. Um, and then, third, he was a foundational player for the transition to the different style of basketball. He was one of the guys that pivoted Yeah, he's made to, 11 All-Star games. I mean, come on. And he, yeah, and he, no, he's he's a absolutely fantastic. And player. when he had, and when he had made nine All Star games and had two rings, he was already a Hall of Famer. Oh, for sure. And and he made a comment a few years ago where he said, "I." Somebody asked him about. It, he's like, "I have known I was going to be in the Hall of Fame." He's kind of ripped for it. But he was right. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, the the man's a Hall of Famer. The man's a walking around Hall of Famer, and he's thirty one years old. I mean, uh, or thirty. I think he's gonna be thirty two. I mean. You just don't find people like that. So, um, regardless of that, he's a good guy. He's an incredible player. Oh, I couldn't couldn't agree couldn't agree more on that whole that whole soliloquy. I'm glad I'm glad you said that. Um, all right, so let, let's run through let's run through quick some of these. We'll hit some of these teams we haven't really talked much about, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap this up. So, um, who's going to finish with a better record? You you said the Thunder are going to win the Northwest Division. I was going to ask you between the Thunder and Wolves because. People think the Thunder are going to take a step back, and people think the Wolves, you know, including us, obviously, as the two leaders of the Wolves bandwagon, are uh, are going to think think the Wolves are going to be better. But I, I'm guessing you think that uh, I think you said the experience of the Thunder is going to end up having them be a little bit better well, than well, Minnesota. The, the, probably the, the Thunder have guys on their roster who are who have proven that they're winning players. The the Wolves do not have that. They have a proven winning coach. But they don't have proven winning winning players. I believe that there will be proven winning players on that team. I mean, unless you're going to count KG, who's you know he doesn't play anymore. But I mean, that's the. I mean, you know, the, if I'm asked to to try to project one or the other, I'm taking the team that's got some more proven players. That's all. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I'm in kind of a tough spot there because I I think the Thunder are going to be a lot better than people think, and I also have been public that I think the Wolves are going to win 50 games. So I'm. You know, I, I'm kind of torn. I think those are probably the two best teams in that division, and I, I am torn as to will be better. But I, I think you're right. I think I, I think we'll, we'll know a lot about the Wolves like um, the by, first month. Yeah, by by six weeks in, we'll have an idea of what Tibbs is going to be able to do with them defensively. They play they play the the Warriors on I think December 11th, and that will be a really good benchmark to see exactly where that Wolves team and is. At that is, point, we'll know where is that be. game at. It's in Minnesota. Okay. So that'll be a really good benchmark to see where yeah. that Minnesota team is and and if they are a team that that really you know by then like you said we'll have had six that'll be I think exactly six weeks into the season we'll know exactly what they're doing with Tibbs and we'll have a good idea if they are truly ready to challenge for a for a top four seed like I think they're capable of doing. Um, all right, so who will finish with a better record between the Pistons and the Hawks? That's a good one. I mean, just the the. the you know, it's it's hard. I I feel like the Hawks might have done. I, I, I the Dwight Howard signing kind of didn't make much of a a splash because so much other stuff was happening and happened around the Durant signing, and, and it was people cup- don't like Dwight Howard anymore, right? And it was coupled with um, it was coupled with um, you know Horford's departure, and so the people who analyze the league very closely they say. Well, Millsap and Horford were two of the most versatile big men defensively. And because of that, they were the linchpin of the entire Hawks defense. And um, taking away Horford will negatively have a negative impact on their defense, and they will not be the same. Okay, my look at it is, regardless of what you think about Dwight Howard, 
he still can be a completely dominating defensive force. And even though he has not been the same player the last few years, he hasn't been a flat line. In, in a way, I think he's, been, he's gone to the point where he's been underrated a little bit. I totally agree with that. Um, so uh, I'll tell you what, when these two teams play each other, we're going to see a hell of a lot of free throws, though. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. They're going to be ugly games. Uh, Howard and – I mean, those two teams could play each other in the playoffs. Can you imagine a playoff series? Oh, God, the league would. But, I mean, the, the, only, the only saving grace for the league is that would prob- – I think it will probably be the 4-5 series in the East, and that will be an NBA TV special, and no one will see it. <laughs> that's the only, that's the only uh, thing the league has going for it because it will set records for free throws taken. I mean, it, it would be so bad. It'll be even uh, worse than when uh, it'll be even worse than the than the DeAndre Jordan Dwight Howard matchup a couple years ago. I mean, it'll yes, because be um, because you know Drummond, I I don't know if people realize how bad Drummond is. Like Howard and um, and DeAndre are bad. Uh, Drummond is worse. Well, Drummond's the worst free throw shooter of all time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're talking 30%, yeah. uh, low 30s. Um, so uh, I feel like, um, you know, again, the Hawks, you could go either way. I mean, you could make a case either way on this one, and I wouldn't be That's uh, why I picked the teams, Brian. But again, I would, point. <laughs> what I would say is, um, boy, I wish I knew how Kyle Korver was going to play this year. Um, because the Hawks have more veteran-proven players, I would probably go, say, Hawks. But, you know, the, the Pistons really impressed me at the end of last season. And, you know, they played this, um, this series with the Cavs where the, the Cavs won 4-0. But it, it was about you know, the most competitive sweep you could have. Let's put it this way. The Cavs swept both the Hawks and the, and the Pistons last year. <laughs> and the Pistons series was more competitive. Yes. I, so, I, I actually think it's the reverse. I, I think, though I think picking the Hawks is fair. I think the Pistons are going to have a better regular season record. But I, I think that playoff experience could actually help the Hawks win a playoff series if they match up. Because I, I think that's probably the 4-5 in the East. And I would not be surprised if, if the Hawks, you know, played them and, and really that series went 6 or 7. And, you know, maybe the Hawks beat them because because of that experience. Well, but, you're asking me to speculate on things in, for April. I'm, no, I know. I'm, I'm punting. I, hey, I, I'm, you're, you're making lots of predictions, though. This is, this is good. Uh, who, who will finish with a better record between the Wizards and the Pacers? Two teams that made a lot of moves this summer, and people have very – I think I don't know if anybody really has a solid feel on either team. Well, John Wall had double knee surgery. Yes, he did. And um, I know that it wasn't like double ACL surgery or anything, but – It's still not ideal to have your star point guard have <laughs> since you had both knees. And, you know, I know, that he, I know that people are like, well, he might be able to – what's the latest that he's going to be able to maybe be there for the regular season beginning? But he's not going to be himself. Right. So – you have a situation where your best player, I believe he's their best player, your best player is not going to be himself, who knows for how long. And you go look at, um, you know, they're going to have to be perpetually cautious with Bradley Beal. Um, I was not blown away by their offseason additions. I, they spent a lot of money, and I like Jan Mahimni, but I don't think he's all of a sudden going to be getting you wins. Um, so my guess is that the wizards will get off to a slow start. The Pacers, um, I know what, I know how you feel about them. And I know that you think that they're going to still struggle to shoot the ball. Well, I'll give my, I'll give my 30 seconds on the Pacers quick, just so people know. Uh, Larry Bird has wanted to get smaller and faster and score, have more scoring on the roster for a couple of years. He did that this summer. 
Now I have no idea what their identity is because they were this team that grind, grinded games out and played really good defense. Now they basically have nobody who can play defense and they don't really have anybody who can shoot. So I, I am I am much more skeptical on them than most other people are. Yeah, but I will say that I think between Washington and, and Indiana, the Pacers have the best player. Uh, yes, I would say, I would say, I would say Paul gets, Paul George gets an edge on John Wall, especially given John Wall's coming off double knee surgery. Yeah. And Paul's going to be healthy and and there's a lot of excitement about Miles Turner and Jeff Teague is a good player who's been on high win teams. He may not be the ideal player. So I think the Pacers are probably going to win more games. Uh, yeah, that, that, I don't, I have no idea. (laughs) I, I, I I thought you'd probably pick the Pacers because of John Wall's knee, but I I, I really don't I just, know. You know, when you talk to players who've had knee surgery, they say, look, I, you know, there's me before knee surgery and me after knee surgery. You know, once you have knee surgery, you're never the same. Right. Um, you may come back and put up similar numbers. You may come back and have your best seasons. But there's life before knee surgery and life after knee surgery. And now John Wall has had surgery on both knees, and I just feel like, while he may still have an incredibly great career, I just think this transition that he he has coming off of getting his knee his knees done is going to be a little rocky. That's just no inside information on him. Just that's based on seeing dozens of players over the years deal with the situation. Sure. No. Look, if you if you have surgery on both knees, it's never a good thing. Like, it, like there's no before. such thing as minor. Like like I I always I see this occasionally. He had minor knee surgery. You know, he had a cleanup. Right. Oh, he just he just had a, a he just had a scope. Right. He just had a cleanup. There's no such thing. Right. As minor knee surgery, and then you know you hear four to six weeks. Oh, he's going to be out four to six weeks. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean that doesn't mean he's not dribbling a basketball on the court in 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 four weeks, but he's not. You know, it's just I've been around long enough to, to where I know that's not not the way it rolls. As everybody always, as as I always like to say when any of these things come up, it's always a minor surgery unless you're the one that's getting cut open for anything, and like then it then it's not minor. So right. it, that that applies to these. All right, uh, two more quick. Uh, who will finish with a better record between the Rockets and the Pelicans? Well, now that we know Drew Holiday is going to be out indefinitely, that's a terrible story. Terrible story. I mean, Drew Holiday's wife, uh, former uh, U.S. Uh, women's soccer team player, Lauren was Lauren Chaney, now Lauren Holiday. Uh, is they're pregnant with their first kid and she has a brain tumor. So he is going to be out indefinitely as she has the kid and then recovers from surgery to remove the brain tumor, which fortunately it sounds like they'll be able to, but obviously not a, uh, not a great situation and just continuing a, a terrible string of, uh, unfortunate incidents for this Pelicans God, team. I mean, the Pelicans have had just absolutely rotten, rotten injury luck and, and, you know, just absence luck and, Still not sure what's going on with Tyreek Evans there. I mean, yes. Uh, he's just, again, ever since they've signed him, his knees have been a disaster. Uh, Eric Gordon, disaster. And now Drew Eric Holl- Gordon and Ryan Anderson are on the Drew uh, Holiday, disaster. I mean, Ryan Anderson with the terrible thing that happened with his, I don't know if he was his fiance or his ex-fiance or wherever that was. It's, I mean, the the amount of terrible things that have even, happened. Even what happened. I know he wasn't still the coach there, but even what happened with Monty Williams last year when he was. I mean, he I mean, the and then there was years behind the scenes. There's been this whole nasty fight between the owner Tom Benson and his daughter over the future. Yeah, his whole family is feuding. I mean, they, they actually just recently opened up a new practice facility, and it's supposedly fantastic, and you know, but 
No, and they've had Anthony Davis, but you know, Anthony Davis had you know knee. He had knee surgery, right? He had shoulder surgery or knee surgery. He had shoulder surgery. Uh, yeah, I want to say he had. He either had he had surgery on one or the other. I can't remember which. <laughs> he, was, he was all he messed up last year. Either had knee surgery or shoulder surgery, but he didn't have surgery on both. Man, I mean, just what a promising team it was too. And now, like, I don't even. I honestly don't even know what their lineup's going to be. I, I honestly couldn't say to you. Okay, here's what they're going to do. And they they gave a huge investment to Solomon Hill in the offseason. He had a really good um, playoff series and basically did never done anything in the league before that. Well, he had, he had a decent year. I think he averaged four points. Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, yeah, actually, I'm going to look that up. I'm pretty sure it was four. No, it was more than that. No, I, I really think it was. <laughs> Let me look. Let me look. He averaged 4.2 points in the regular season last oh, year. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and then in the playoffs... So he shot he shot forty four percent from the field and thirty two from three during the playoffs. He shot forty five percent from the field and fifty eight from three, and averaged seven point seven points a game, uh, twenty eight minutes a game. Well, look. So you're t- I mean you're be- taking a because, big swing on a young guy because Anthony Davis is recovering from surgery and because um, they don't know how long Drew Holiday is going to be out. Even though I'm not in love with the Rockets' moves, um, and defensively, I think they're going to be. Uh, troublesome. I think, you know, Mike D'Antoni playing up tempo. That team's built to play up tempo. And um and James Harden I think has a bounce back here. So I think the Rockets has Let a me okay, so let me let me ask one more question that is an addendum to that cuz I, I think you're right. Will the Rockets make the playoffs? Cuz they are a very polarizing team. Yeah, I mean, uh well, see it depends on, you know, it depends on what you think of the Grizzlies, it depends on what you think of the well, that's uh, the why jazz, I asked you uh, the what jazz. do you think of the Grizzlies and the Jazz and the Wolves and everyone else. I'll tell Look, you my answer. My answer is no. I don't think the Rockets uh, will make the playoffs. James Harden is one of the best players in the league. Um, well, I think this is simple. Let, let's do it this way, okay? Obviously, we th- you think the Warriors are making the playoffs. You think the Spurs and the Clippers are making the playoffs. Yeah. You think the Thunder are making the playoffs because they're winning their division. I do. Do you think that the Jazz are making the playoffs? I, I'm not ready to say that. Okay, so we'll set them aside. Do you think the Wolves are making the playoffs? I believe they will. Okay, so that's five. Do you think that the Blazers are making the playoffs? I believe that they will. Okay, that's six. Do you think Memphis is making the playoffs? I, I'm not ready to say that. Okay, so, and do you think Dallas is making the playoffs? I'm not ready to say all that. All right, so here, so you, so you have to pick out of all of these teams, two of them. Houston, Utah, Dallas, Memphis, New Orleans, Sacramento, and Denver. Those I think are the realistic. Teams. I'm inclined to say. So pick two of them. I'm inclined to say Houston and Dallas. With I'll see on Memphis because I don't know how Marcus Gasol's foot is. That's as serious of an injury as you can have as a big man. As you know from covering as a Junior Sogauskas, it's almost bone is, it's, is, is a lot of a lot of times it's a death sentence for a player. It's almost is it's almost like an Achilles tendon because even though that bone that bone is so slow healing and so sensitive and he's going to be on such a you know you know pitch count the rest of his career. Um, yeah, you know. I mean, look, it's it's like it's 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 it could be one of two things, right? It's either going to be like what happened with Zildjian Sogaskis, so who you covered for many years with the Cavs, who came back and was healthy and fine, or it'll be like Yao Ming, and his career is going to end. When but when he again. but when he came back, they were extraordinarily cautious early on. So no, you know, I know he, that. I'm just he, saying. He, he, I'm just saying that's like for people that don't realize, like his career, like if he breaks that bone again, his career is almost certainly over. 
That's kind of the way that that works. Yeah, I mean, maybe not certainly, but it's, it'd be very, very bad. Um, Especially given his age. He'd already, he's already, I, I think, 31 or 32. I and mean, I don't know where Chandler Parsons is with his knees. I mean, when he's, you know, when he's right, he's good. But right, he, he wasn't right. spent the last two years banged up. Yeah. So, I mean, look, uh, Memphis could do it. Dallas could do it. Houston could do it. I, I don't, you know, those, te- those teams have all proven that they're playoff teams. You know, Utah's Denver you know, they have not proven their playoff teams. New Orleans was the eighth seed two years ago, and they're not the same team now. So um, that's I, I probably would say, you know, those three more than more than anything. So you say Houston and Dallas, those five, those seven teams. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> depends on what you think of the Harrison Barnes experience. I mean, we'll see. That Dallas team is going to be very interesting. I, know, I, well, didn't, I didn't include them. I just was going off what you said. I didn't include them in my list. I mean, I don't know exactly where that lineup. I mean, it's an interesting. It's a very expensive lineup. It's a very big name lineup. But I mean, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's the, the Mavericks seem to believe that this is the <clears throat> this is the way to go forward. They they invested in Harrison Barnes. They had a long time to think about it, and um, then they gave Dirk his you know his Godfather payoff. So it's like, do they? Are they just going to coast this last year of Dirk and give him his payoff and then try to reset? Or do they really see like they're going to go forward? Is it an asset play? It's hard for me to know what the Mavericks are going to be. But, you know, at least I've seen guys on that team do things, whereas other teams I just I haven't seen them happen. Starting five at Darren Williams, Wes Matthews, Harrison Barnes, Dirk Nowitzki, and Andrew Bogut. It's a lot of big names. Yeah, I mean, why, why trade for Bogut if you're not really serious about competing this year. Well, they're clearly going to try to win this year. I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, I, I think that they, you know, if you're if you're trying to be a pro Mavericks person, you would say that you think Wes Matthews is going to be better a full year back from his uh, Achilles surgery. Um, Darren Williams was perfectly fine last year, as he's been the last couple of years. He's not a star anymore, but he's fine. Um, perfectly fine. What a, what a compliment. Well, perfectly I mean, fine. I, I think a lot of people think he's god-awful now, which is just not true. Um, you know, he's been, he, he, he was the same player he was last year was the last year as he was in Brooklyn, which is a good player. Um, but not one that's worth a max contract just now he's making whatever, five or $10 million a year. Um, you know, Bogut will be fine as a center and Dirk is still gonna be able to hit threes and score over people. So, you know, they basically, to me, they, they swung on Harrison Barnes and they're hoping that Harrison Barnes is a guy that can live up to his, uh, his draft stock as a top seven pick and you know I, I i'm sure if you want to make the pro harrison Barnes point it's that you think that he not be playing with guys like steph curry and clay thompson and being more of a primary scorer can take another step forward i think that you know and that that's that that would be the that'd be the argument for him and now you know he's going to get every chance to 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 prove that that's the case because you know they essentially they chose him over chandler parsons who got the exact same contract well, he's healthier than Chandler Parsons, so we'll see. Either way, I think the Mavericks are more likely to be interesting than they are contending. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd agree. Though, I, did you just call them the Magic? Did I say the Magic? The Mav, <laughs> the Mavericks, Mavericks. I, I don't know what you said. I, 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 I thought, I thought you said the, the Magic, but I, I could be wrong. Uh, it just made me laugh. Uh, speaking of the Magic, though, we're not going to talk about them. They, because we both just have no idea what their summer was like. Uh. One more question about the East, and then we'll then we'll wrap up. Um, so, two teams that we've talked about a lot. Uh, who will be better between the Knicks and the Bulls? Um, 
Well, you your feelings on the Knicks are out there. Um, they are. Um, you know, I again, I look at the Bulls and I see. I see, you know, I see, I see a, I, for both teams. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but see, here's the thing. Like, this is why I don't get the predictions. So how do I know how many games Dwayne Wade is going to play? How do I know how many games Derrick Rose is going to play? So, all right, well, I let's, can't, let's just do that as a mini one. Who plays more games? I mean, Dwayne could barely straighten his knee two years ago. And last year he played, I think, 72 games or I 74 games. Rose plays more games than Dwayne Wade. I, I, look. When I look at the when I look at the the Bulls roster, I see guys who have good track records, who are established players. Jimmy Butler is an established player. Dwayne Wade, and is is an established player. I know that they can't shoot. I know that they have shooting problems. I know when you have Rondo, Wade, and Butler, there's no way to stretch the floor. I get that, mm-hmm. but I also see like you know those guys are guys who you know. Guys, you know they do make plays. They are established players. So where do you draw the line between are these guys established players or are these guys, you know, not going to be a good fit? I don't know. I mean, I, I look at the Knicks and I see the same thing. I, you know, Derrick Rose, Courtney Lee, Joe Kim Noah, established players, guys who have proven that they can be key contributors on successful playoff teams that make deep runs. I just don't know how they're gonna how they're gonna fit together. So I mean, it's a great question. I think. The range of these two teams is very wide. Um, I think, you know, when you look at the Knicks, I do think that defensively, uh, you know, when you look at Joe Kim Noah, if he's healthy, uh, Porzingis, Courtney Lee, um, I think, and even Derrick Rose to a certain extent, I think that they will defend. And when I look at the Bulls, I see, you know, Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler. I, I know they can't shoot, but I see two dynamic guys that can play both ends of the court when they're healthy. And so, I mean, I guess the short answer is saying I don't know. I mean, it put well, this that, way. That's not, a, that's not a proper answer to the question. One of these two teams, one of these two teams, when they have a bad year, is going to be a disaster. And there's going to be heads that will roll because of it. Um, and it'll be interesting to see. Maybe it's both. But I'll bet one of the two is. Okay. Who is going to finish with a better record? You have to pick a team. It's the way the game works. Right? I don't know. It doesn't apply. It's not. Hmm. This is. It's just for fun. So just pick a team. I think the Bulls probably will have a better record. Okay. Will Will one or both of them make the playoffs? It's hard to see both of them making the playoffs. Okay. So so we'll just run through the same exercise we did in the East, then, and we'll see if we can figure it out. So Cleveland's making the playoffs. Yes. Boston's making the playoffs. Yes. Toronto's making the playoffs. Yes. Detroit's making the playoffs. Yes. Atlanta's making the playoffs. Yes. Is Charlotte making the playoffs? Probably. Okay. Is Indiana making the playoffs? Maybe. Okay. Is Washington making the playoffs? Maybe. So then are the Knicks and Bulls maybes? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think. Is Milwaukee making the playoffs? Probably not. Is Miami making the playoffs? Maybe. Okay. So, and is Orlando making the playoffs? I say no. Okay. So you have to pick two of Chicago, New York. Uh, Indiana, Washington, and Milwaukee. I'm inclined to say In Miami. I don't know if I included Miami. Six teams. If Chris Bosch doesn't play, I don't think the Heat are a playoff team. If Chris Bosch plays, they're a playoff team. I think. I mean, but again, this is shades of gray. 
what if Chris Bosch plays, but he's on a restricted thing where he doesn't travel on long flights? And what if he only plays 47 games? Let's say games? Chris Bosch plays more than half the season. I think, I think they're I a, think they're I a think playoff they're a, I think they're a playoff team. So let's say so let's say they make it because I, I think he plays more than half a season. So put in Chris Bot, put in Miami. So now you have one spot for Indiana, Washington, uh, Milwaukee, New York, and Chicago. Boy, some people are going to be upset because you know Indiana. Let's put it this way: I, I think as the season goes along, I think you will see a harder push from the. Pacers and Knicks to make the playoffs. The Bulls, if if there's an injury, I think that they're fine with drafting. So while I f- sort of feel like the Bulls might be better than the Knicks, um, I would say probably Indiana and and New York. But you know what? I can't. I just, I, just, I don't have enough information to know. I <laughs> I, uh, I don't feel I don't feel good about any of them. I, I probably I, I know you don't feel good about any of them. I don't either. That's the fun. The weird thing about the, the NBA this year is that both conferences are basically the same. You have one team at the top that's going to be the best team. You have a couple teams after that that are probably the next two best teams. And then 4 to 12 is a mess and could probably go one yeah. of a billion ways. I just I just I can't I can't read it. I I mean and again, I could give you some just extraneous answer here. And just say, "Oh yeah, it's going to be Chicago well, just, well, and Indiana." Well, you've got it down to Indiana and the Knicks, so just pick one. I think Indiana. All right. There you go. See, that wasn't hard. But I, but I, but I do think that exercise, like I like doing that exercise. And we, and, and I know it's very reductive. Well, it's, no, um, and it's just a fun, it's a fun way and an easy way to look. You kind of get a picture for the tiers of the league then really quickly. But obviously look, somebody, some team like last year, a year ago, right now, we were all talking, can the Pelicans be a top four seed? Well, the Bucks, you know, The Bucks were going to be good. The Pelicans are going to be good. And, and they both well, were Well, the, the Bucks ended up making changes that ended up subverting them. But the Pelicans were had were laid to waste with injuries. Sure. And we just – how could we possibly have foreseen that? Well, so, sure. you know, some team this year will get laid to waste with injuries. Well, Brian, and yes. this, isn't, this isn't a situation where you're, you're, you're guaranteeing the future. It's just uh, – the whole point is just that you, you have a little fun and you, you go but into see, the season with an idea n- of what you, what you expect to happen. But see, here's what happens. Is it, happens. is it is it um, – when I say things, sometimes people capture them <laughs> and then – either make a big deal out of it now or make a big deal out of it later. So I've been burned by well, the concept no, of, you, oh, just have fun. Well, let's be honest. You just get wound up about it. Everyone's gotten burned by it. You just you just hang on to it. <laughs> let's be honest. But hey, listen, I think it's I think it's a I think it's a a, a good it's a good place to to stake out the I'm I'm not in the prediction games space. <laughs> it's a good space because predictions are incredibly stupid and annoying, but they're also fun. So, yeah. you know, you've went well, through, I mean, look, every, you've, everybody else have fun with it. You've made all kinds of predictions again today. This is good. <laughs> You're trapping me into it. Well, Hey, you know what? That's uh, as your friend, that, that's what I do. Um, but, it, but it's been entertaining. You've made, you've made I can't believe we're, we're, we're spending all this time talking. This wasn't the reason we had, we were having this podcast. What's today? the reason we're having a podcast? We're having this podcast because you have an announcement, and I thought that was going to be the first thing we were going to talk about, and the rest of this was all going to just be lame. And I can't believe you're waiting to the end, and frankly, I can't believe you worked at a tabloid newspaper for like a decade or whatever, how long you, gotta, you worked there. you got to save, you gotta save the you got to save the best for last. If, if you have the best thing at the first five minutes, people will listen for five minutes and turn it off. So what are you going to do? Are you going to, when you tweet this out, when you put this on social media, are you going to say, 
I make a big announcement, click yeah. here, and then people are gonna we're gonna, gonna wait for for all this time, well, and they're gonna listen, wait for this. Brian, Brian Winhurst is on the podcast. People are going to listen to what you have to say. That's, that's but you have to say like, please tune in for, yeah. where I make a where I make an announcement. Yeah, there's there's a disclaimer at the beginning. You're gonna people are gonna know. It's gonna oh, be, okay. It's you're gonna, recording a little beginning it's thing. It's gonna be. No, I'm not recording a little beginning thing. It's just it's in there. So it'll be it'll be fine. All right. People, so let's let's have it. Let's have your announcement. All right. All right, so uh, this season I'm I'm going to be moving out to Oakland uh, to uh, to be around the Warriors as much as possible. Um, the job I'll be doing the same job. I'll be just doing it instead of from the world's greatest city. I'll be doing it from uh, from the Bay Area and being around this uh, this Warriors team that is going to capture. Uh, the imagination of people, I think, in a way that really only a team you're very familiar with, that first season of the Miami Heat, has has really done, I think, in uh, in modern NBA history. What a carpetbagger you're going to be, <laughs> to use a 1980s term or whatever. So you're saying that you're moving out to... Well, you don't have to act front... like you didn't know this was happening. You, can, you don't have to do that. You know what was happening. Yeah, I, I didn't know it was happening, and I, th- I think it's a, a really good move. Um, uh, you know, first off, uh, it's it's really just temporary. You're not going lock, stock, and barrel. You're yeah. not declaring yourself a California I'm resident. Not, I'm not going out to be Ethan Strauss's East Bay buddy uh, permanently. Um, <laughs> Although if that happens, out. it would be fantastic. It would yeah, be a buddy the, comedy. The, 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 yeah, it would be quite a buddy comedy, me and me and Strauss, uh, East Coast, West Coast. But, uh, so, but, but yeah, there, no, I will I'm say this. out there for the season. They're going to be very compelling, and um, you know you're going to be there for it. So, I mean, what led you to uh, to want to do this? What? Why did you? I mean, your bosses uh, had to agree. I, I assume you didn't um, do this without consulting them. No, it's true. Uh, the funny thing about um, the funny thing about this season, and and you've you know I've been covering the league for a while now. You've been covering it longer than me. You know, generally you go into the NBA season, and there are somewhere between three and probably four and six teams that you could say, if everything breaks right, this team has a chance to win the title. You know, last year you could say that there were probably five teams like that, right? You had the, the, the Clippers, the Thunder, the Spurs, the Warriors, and the, the Cavs. And that's, I think that's probably a, a fairly reasonable, normal number for a season. It's four or five, maybe six teams in a high year. This year, it's basically one and a half. It's Golden State, and if Golden State has some kind of catastrophic injury situation or something insane happens, the Cavs are going to win the title. And I think unless, you know, unless both, you know, unless Steph Curry and LeBron and Kevin Durant all go out for the season with injuries, that that's what the season's going to be. And so from, from my standpoint, as somebody covering the league, it just, you know, it's just a very weird season in that, you know, there are all these, you know, like we were just talking about the East and West has these kind of compelling, you know, groups of teams where, you know, there's a lot of, you know, for people like us that are really into the league, there's a lot of, you know, underlying storylines about, you know, can the Jazz take a step forward and can the Wolves jump up and, you know, what what's this mess in the East going to look like? Well, you know, there's all these things that as basketball people were interested in, but, you know, from the broader perspective, you know, and, and you know, you're one of my real good friends and this is something you always harp on, it's, you know, what is the what is the what is the thing that people are going to be reading about the next day every day when they wake up and they want to pay attention to the NBA this season? And to me, you know, there's only one story that's going to matter. It's it's what are the Warriors up to? What are the Warriors doing? Um, how are they coming together? How is this Steph Curry, Kevin Durant partnership working? Um, 
you know, I, I just think that, you know, they're, they are going to be the dominant story in the NBA. And I, I think they're probably going to be the dominant story in sports um, over the next eight or nine months. And, you know, it just, if you're, if you're going to cover the league, I think it just makes sense that if you can to be around them as much as you can. Yeah. I think one of the things, like I am convinced that they're going to be fantastic. I'm convinced that they're going to figure it out and, and that they're going to be the team that everybody thinks they are, whether or not they're going to be the better team for two weeks in June. I don't know, but the interesting thing to watch and, you know, we'll have an idea relatively quickly. I think, um, how does Steph deal with this? Because there's the, the you know, well, I, I'm not predicting anything, um, as you know. Um, you know, just free agency is a funny thing. You know, guys change their mind, and it's and just it's to constant... be just to be clear, just to be clear, uh, after this season, both Steph Curry and Kevin Durant are free agents. It's a really incredible, unique thing. Like, like we were all monitoring the Heat, not because we thought the Heat were going to break up, but because the Heat had issued this edict of not four, not five, not six. And, you know, thereby letting the, the you know, making the belief that they were going to be a, a uh, dominating, unstoppable team for the foreseeable future. And when they weren't, it wasn't that it was like, oh, my God, LeBron and Kevin or LeBron and um, Dwayne are going to break up. It's like, well, maybe they have to do something. Maybe they have to fire the coach, blah, blah, blah. In this particular case, um, if things don't go well, um, Curry and Durant are free agents, and Durant has come out and said, oh, no, I'm not doing this again. You know, I signed a one-year deal for the mechanics of the cap, not because of any reason, and I have no reason to doubt that. I'm, su- I'm sure that his intention, and I'm sure that Steph has long planned to sign a max contract and stay, but free agency, things change. So, you know, while you're charting to see if they can win 70 again, while you're charting to see if they can, you know, how Durant and, and Curry, you know, the, the, it's the greatest shooting team of all time. I mean, there, there's there's been there was questions about whether Curry and 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 Clay were the best shooting backcourt of all time. Obviously, that's no longer in doubt. They are. I mean, this is the most incredibly uh, assembled team of offensive firepower in NBA history. Um, and watching them and charting them and and in individual moments, like you know, some night, you know, you know, uh, you know, we we could see a situation where. You know, Clay scores 40 and Steph scores 35 and Durant scores 30. Or we could see a night where Curry scores 50 and Durant scores 40. That's theoretically possible with these guys. We could see moments that are going to be forever remembered, individual moments that could happen on a day in February or a day in November. And, and the opportunity to be around that when you can is, is awesome. But then there's also the overwhelming stories about the season and about the future that are going to be interesting. So I applaud your willingness to move 3,000 miles. And you're, are you are you going to live in Oakland? You're not gonna you're going to be a sort of a new age guy. You're not going to live in in San Francisco. Right? Uh, that that's all remains to be seen. Uh, it's it's, it's going to come down to probably where I can find a place in the next three weeks because I need to be there for the start of training camp, which is three weeks from Labor Day, which is yesterday. So uh, so I have to find. It's pretty place. quick. It's pretty that's quick. Pretty quick. You better get online. You better get on. Uh, I've I've already been online know. and uh, I've I've made some headway, but. I need to uh, I need to secure lodging, and then uh, I need to uh, make the the very long drive about three thousand miles across the country. Uh, the funny thing about about this trip is that um, I will start at the very eastern end of I eighty, which is about which is where it's uh, it's about five minutes from my house at the George Washington Bridge. Uh, you get off the GW Bridge and you get on to the beginning of I eighty, and it goes 
all the way to San Francisco, and then it ends. So where, I will, where does I eighty actually end? Does it end at the at the Bay Bridge? I think it ends at the Bay Bridge. I think it goes from the. I think it. Wow. I think it technically goes from the Bay Bridge to the George Washington Bridge. So Fantastic. I am going to drive the. I'm going to get on I eighty about ten minutes from here, and I'm going to be on it for about uh, four days, and then I will. Uh, and then I will arrive in uh, in the Bay Area. So wow, that'll, that'll be that'll something. Be well, I will. I will say. Um, I. I think it's a. It's a. It's a brave, and really awesome move. I think there's a lot of people who wish they had the opportunity to uh, to do something like this. So, uh, I think it'll be cool. It'll be interesting to see you document it along the way for sure. And, and there's a lot of new media covering that team. Uh, you know, Chris Haynes who. Yeah, covered Chris the Cavs just joined you joined you guys recently. Yeah, he covered the Cavs for the last couple of years for the Cleveland Plain Dealer. And he just uh, came to ESPN. He's going to cover the Warriors. And Anthony Slater, who um, is from Northern California, he covered the Oklahoma City Thunder the last couple of years. And he went to cover – he's going to go work for the San Jose Mercury News. So there's new a lot of new media coming in as well. It's going to be a, a whole new era in Golden State, the Golden State Warriors basketball, which is why I think this season, no matter how the Warriors want to make it seem like uh, this, you know, they're just going to try to keep on keeping on and it's not really that different – there's going to be a whole lot different, including the media attention on this team. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, I totally, I totally agree. So, it'll be, it'll be fun, and I'll, I'll probably be, uh, I'll probably be swinging through Omaha in a couple weeks on my way, uh, on my way across the country. Since and and you will get criticized by some people who are like, "Why are you going out there, man? I mean, why aren't you covering the uh, the Wizards or whatever? You know, you got to tell them that you don't always cover just the Wizards just because you work for the Washington Post." Yeah, no, it's you know the. My job is uh, my job is to cover the whole league as it is for you, and uh, you know, like I said before, I think this year, you know, well, I'm I'm going to still be writing all the time about everybody in the league, just like I did previously. Um, you know, being based around the only team that's that's really going to be relevant to most casual NBA fans, I think, is the way to go. So, um, so Brian, this has been fun. You made a lot of predictions, which is that good. was the big that was the big announcement at the end. So that was the big announcement. Uh, You'll have to like do like some podcasts or like some like an audio blog as you're as you're driving across the country. And I don't know. You I, don't, just, I don't think anyone is going to care about that. You should just record it. You're like up. Oh, um, I'm passing my 14th uh, Cracker Barrel. I don't think anyone will care. But uh, well, you know, we'll see. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do something like that. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, before before you go though, uh, though I'm sure. Everyone who listens follows you on Twitter already. Uh, you know, just plug uh, if you've got anything to plug or any any uh, work or podcasts or, or anything you've done recently. No, no I, I don't out. plug. I plug Ohio State's uh, game with Tulsa. Yeah, I saw mm-hmm. there. There, I see Urban Meyer hasn't changed the Patsy schedule, so I saw they won seventy-seven to ten the other day. So I'm I'm glad they're off to a roar. Hey, the last start. touchdown was a defensive touchdown. You know, get <laughs> off his back. I have no problem. I have no problem. I mean, he's running uh, the score up. They just don't play look, anybody good early. <laughs> they're playing at Oklahoma in two weeks. Is that a Patsy game? Uh, well, since Oklahoma just got beaten, you know, kind of handily in uh, in well, Houston, they don't. Might be a you don't. Game. <laughs> well, it's it's at Oklahoma. They played. They opened last season at Virginia Tech. 
uh, and then they're, they're playing at Oklahoma. I so, I mean, to, I decided to get the Ohio State fan all wild. while I admit that much. they don't they haven't they haven't played the hardest schedule in the history of the, of the world the last few years. I mean, they're they're trying. Give them a break. Right. No, that's true. So. Uh, so, all right. You can you can find this podcast uh, on iTunes and on Stitcher and on uh, everywhere else. You can find podcasts and search posting up. Uh, if, you uh, they, if they, they've already found it, if they've well, that's a good if point. they're listening to it, they've already found it. <laughs> I that's that's a good point. <laughs> I haven't, as you can see, I haven't done a podcast in a couple months, so my it, my outro is a little slow. You uh, when I was you going, gotta you, you've been stuck in you're you're a little bit woozy from seeing those apartment prices in Oakland. <laughs> you thought it was going to get cheaper. When that's you a good point. To... What I was going to say after that was, uh, if you could please give a five star rating or review to the podcast on iTunes, it'd be great. Though after that outro, I'm sure you probably will say, "What the hell is this guy doing?" Uh, you can uh, you can find my work at the Washington Post and on uh, the Washington Post website at WashingtonPost.com. You can uh, you can find Brian's work on ESPN.com and on, you can find him on Twitter at WinhorseESPN. Even though he won't, uh, plug you probably himself. can't even find it on ESPN.com. <laughs> it's hard to find anything on there. Even though he doesn't like to plug himself, you can find his work there. Uh, thanks to Glenn Yoder in the Western States for the theme music for the podcast. Uh, it's much appreciated as always. Uh, Brian, this has been fun. Thank you. Uh, thank you for going out of your comfort zone and making predictions and for helping me with my announcement. And uh, I will. Uh, Wagons West, baby. Yeah, Wagons West. I'll see you in a couple weeks and I will. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. So thanks. Uh, All right. Thanks for that. And everybody listening, thank you for uh, thank you for sticking around and we'll be back again soon.